here. Okay. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Stacey J, compulsive over and under eater in Tennessee in the U.S. And um, I think this is my first time speaking at this meeting, but uh, so many familiar faces. I love it. And new faces as well. So welcome. Um, I really like to get all the sparkly, shiny stuff out of the way uh, first with all the numbers and different things. So I have, um, I have, I have to kind of look at my notes because of what I usually qualify as. Um, I have, uh, I am a secular sponsor and um, I am a, uh, I do have a little bit of wiggle room right now. Um, so if anybody needs any extra support, please let me know and I'll leave my number in the chat later after the recording is finished. Um, I have been abstinent from my binge foods, which includes sugar. And um, for two years, I also did not eat uh, white flour. Um, and I've been abstinent for over 10 years now. Uh, my abstinence uh, was in October, on October 28th. So as a, um, as a side, thank you. So as a side note, you know, you know, you, you know, I was desperate when I got when I got abstinent right before Halloween. So it's still my favorite holiday, but for completely different reasons now. Um, I have lost over 100 pounds from my top weight <clears throat> uh, with about 50 of that um, in program. Um, because like I said, I'm, I'm a compulsive over and under eater. And so, um, I overexercised and starved myself to lose over a hundred pounds. And then the flip, the switch got flipped and I started binging, um, at night, stealing food from my roommates, stealing food from my boyfriend, hiding it. What I, could I do with it? How can I work it off? Um, I would exercise three hours a day, some days at least. I also would work double shifts at a restaurant because I'm a compulsive overeater. So of course I work in a restaurant and would paint the inside of people's houses um, in the same time to try and lose weight. Um, I What brought me into OA is that um, I started seeing my face getting bigger and bigger and bigger in FaceTime with my boyfriend. And um, I was just so ashamed. And uh, one of the sayings in OA is, um, is that I is we came for the vanity and stay for the sanity. And I'm here to attest that I came in for the opposite reason. I didn't care how much or how little I weighed, I just could not stand being in my own head anymore. And OA was the last thing that I tried before actually quitting my last semester of undergrad and checking myself into an inpatient facility because I just couldn't handle it anymore in my head. Um, I did have, um, I do have some uh, depression and anxiety. And when I was a teenager, I did have uh, uh, suicidal thoughts and would harm myself, um, not just with food. I'll get into that in just a moment, the reason why I said it like that. Um, but 
I hadn't had those kind of thoughts until I came back into OA. So OA literally saved saved me from myself in many ways, both physically and mentally. When I first started into OA, I um, I was in um, Asheville, North Carolina. So shout out to my Asheville people uh, who have been there for me the entire time. And uh, one of the great things about uh, being um, in that city is that in the South, uh, it's very difficult to find a, um, it was very difficult for me personally to find a group who had a secular mindset. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the term Bible Belt. Uh, I am smack in the middle of that. And so when I came to OA, um, the first meeting was in a church and I was like, I ain't having this. And, um, but, uh, I joke that, um, thank God there was an atheist in the rooms. See what I did there? Because it helped me to see that I could recover from eating myself to death without a conventional sort of higher power that's found around this area. And that in itself saved my life. What I, um, getting into the, what it was like, what changed and how it's like now, my story is the same as, is very similar to everybody else's um, that I've heard in 10 years. There's always been something that I could take from somebody else's share, from somebody else's story and cry to because of empathy and because of connection, laugh to because of ridiculousness and also connection and feel heart warmed by because of connection. My, um, I have a, a, I had a friend who asked me several years ago if I could, if I could sum up in one sentence why OA works for me. First of all, I rambled on for like 15 minutes to try and figure out what that sentence was, but I came up with this. OA has consistently reminded me that I am not alone. And this is not my fault. I am not alone. This is not my fault. And that keeps me coming back because I forget. I'm a scientist by trade. So I look at a problem and I think, just give me the data and I will figure this out. But I have met people from every walk of life, from every denomination, from every demographic, from every level of success, whatever they define that success to be, people on entry-level jobs, CEOs of companies, and we all find ourselves here in these rooms. So obviously, to me, the data shows that intelligence is not an issue. It is not because I am not smart enough to figure this nonsense out. It is because there is a part of my brain that cannot compute not 
eating myself to death and not over-exercising myself to death. And I do say death because that is, it is a very, very serious, I do consider this to be a very serious disease. I consider it to be very serious and I consider it to be a very serious disease to me. Not everybody does. And that's completely fine. The perspective of why I do the stuff that I do is irrelevant. Whatever keeps me coming and whatever keeps me coming and feeling supported, I support that from everyone. But when I came in, I was, again, stealing food from my roommates. Some of you may have that experience of like, how much can I scrape from the very top of something, of a bag or a container or a box or something just enough so that it doesn't show that there's a difference. And then the times where I freak out because I've I've done that so much that there is like obviously a difference or it's not even there anymore. And then I have to try and figure out, okay, what gas station or grocery store is open at two o'clock in the morning and very dangerous parts of town that I have to go to, to try and replace this. And I remember um, standing in front of the fridge and I bought this diet brand thing in a jar, glass jar. So some of you may see where I'm going with this. And I'm like scooping out straight from the jar more and more. And the jar slips and it falls on the ground and it breaks, right? Broken glass. 10 minutes. Thank you. I, I must have stood there staring at this broken glass jar on the floor for I don't know how many minutes trying to figure out a way to see if I could still eat some of it where I wouldn't be eating broken glass. I mean, that's, that is, I mean, for me, laughable, but also, holy moly, like, what is that? And I mean, I, I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person, but I'm trying to try figure out a way to eat around broken glass. What's that about? So again, I feel like it has nothing to do with my willpower. My willpower got me out of, it got me into upward mobility. I'm the first in my family to go to college. I'm the first in my family to move away from my area. I raised, help raise my little brother. You know, like there's been a lot of stuff I've been able to accomplish. I've been able to call AAA when my, when my tire got flat and not like completely, you know, have an entire bag or box of something because of recovery. But, you know, like I've read so many books and gone to so many classes and paid so many fees and membership contracts and everything else. And I still couldn't figure that out. So um, it's kind of a mishmash of like all the different things that brought me up until this point. So pretty much what I can sum up with what changed, which I already covered, you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't live in my own head anymore. 
And so since then, um, I've had to feel a lot of feelings and I've had to feel them without the support of food. And it's been really difficult. And then it's gotten better. Uh, just over a year after I was abstinent, just after um, a year's worth of abstinence, my father unexpectedly died. He was 57 years old. And being able to, being able to bury my father and not continue to eat my own self to death after that was a miracle of this program. I've graduated, I moved, I got jobs, I've left jobs, I've bought a new car, I had car issues, I went back to school, I graduated from that, I uh, lost a cat, I almost lost the second cat, I've put up uh, decorations and Christmas trees and dealt with really you know, invasive questions from my family and got married and gone on vacation and come back from vacations and gone back to work. And most recently I had a hip surgery. I was off on FMLA, came back to work for that. And the fact that I've been able to do any of that stuff, good, bad, neutral, without uh, resorting to food, to resorting to my binge foods is an absolute miracle. And I cannot take credit for that. I can give a lot of credit to everyone that I see in our little Hollywood Square boxes and um, to the program and to, um, and to my willingness to, to follow direction from my sponsor and from other people and to ask for help. This has truly been a, a very huge, humbling, not humiliating, humbling experience. I did treat it like a humiliating experience um, for several years because I can turn anything into a hammer and um, including the program itself. So the last few years I've been really focused on trying to shift my perspective to a more gentle and self-compassionate perspective and Funny enough, my program changed and the way that I saw my program change. So um, I would encourage anyone who's having difficulty with the program to just keep asking questions, uh, keep seeking out those answers. And um, for me, I have three levels of challenge questions that I have to ask myself. If I'm having a problem with something or someone, what is it in myself? 15 minutes. Thank you, AJ. What what may need to be changed within myself? What may need to be changed within my environment? And then what may need to be changed with the other person? Because usually if I do the first two rounds, there's there's not really a need to do the third one. So um, I like pictures, and so alas, those of you who are listening this to this on the podcast, you'll just have to reach out to me, and I can text these to you. But um, for those of you who are here, 
I do want to um, share just a few pictures of kind of my journey. And so we'll start with this one. Oh, look at little <laughs> Stacy. That's me. And guess where I'm at? Oh yeah, I'm in the kitchen, <laughs> just saying. So that's me in the kitchen. That's me wearing my very favorite necklace of all time with you know, little different characters on it. So this was me in first grade. And then this was me in fourth grade. So I will say that I, um, I am a, a survivor of um, sexual and religious trauma. Um, but, and I know that that's, that's what a lot of folks have, but it's not what everybody has. So mine just happens to have that. That's me graduating high school. You could see how impressed I was with the uh, high school I went to and how happy I was, which was not very much. And so I was one of the top five biggest girls in my high school graduating class. It was a small class, but still. That's me as well around that time. That's me right before um, I got into program. That's also me uh, after I graduated high school. I don't really have any pictures of me at my top weight because like many of us, I refuse to have pictures taken of me. I was the one behind the camera. That's me graduating from high school and more high school. And so let me just flip ahead. Oh, there's another really cute one. So this one right here is me. Um, in middle school and at 5'2", I now weigh 10 pounds less than I did in this picture. And how do I know that? Because they treated these like, like those player cards with the stats on the back. And which is a horrible thing to do now, just saying. And it has your height and your weight on it and your age. So um, just flipping ahead here, that's me now. Um, you can see I'm smiling with my eyes now. That's always an impressive thing. Um, and I go on hikes now. I Well, not right now because of hip surgery, but I go on hikes. I go on vacations. I've been to five different continents and I've been able to be abstinent through all of that. And so being able to be abstinent through all of that has taken a lot of, it's taken a lot of preparation work as well as a lot of work in the back on the back side because when I come back I'm like all right I survived that now I get to treat myself <laughs> so it it takes um it it seems to take a lot of structure from the outside but I mean I've had 10 years of building all this up so it's been more of a routine and I do weigh and measure my food when I'm at home because uh, I want to make sure that I don't have too much, but dag nabbit, I'm going to have enough y'all. And, um, so, but I don't weigh and measure when I'm out, uh, in restaurants. I, I know that some folks, uh, feel the need to do that. And some OA, uh, levels of program feel the need to do that. For me, it's more shame-based. Uh, and that's my personal perspective. Again, for some folks that that's really helpful and and I really respect that of them but for me I can't do that. 
And um, so the, the biggest thing is that I have not done any of this alone. Time to wrap up. Thank you, AJ. So in a nutshell, um, that's my, that's my biggest thing is I have to constantly challenge myself that I have not been able to figure this out and I have to depend on other people. And that's really, um, enraging at times. And, uh, but I haven't been able to do any of those things by myself. It's all been because of the connections that I've made with people in program. So thanks for letting me share. And uh, I'm really grateful to be able to be here and do service. And I will pass.